We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, 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 friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Dateable Podcast. If you are new, welcome. We talk about everything dating. If you are not new, then welcome back. You know exactly what we do here. You know what we're all about. But what is new is Julie's back from her Hawaiian vacation. Oh, yes. (laughs) And she might need a vacation from her vacation, but she is back. Oh, I 100% need a vacation. (laughs) I think this whole week I've been moving at a snail's pace. Like, it has not been good. But it was, it's so beautiful. Like, listeners out there, I'm sure a lot of you have been to Hawaii, but I know a lot of people in the East Coast haven't. If you Mm -hmm. can get the opportunity, it's just, it does not feel like you're in the United States. It feels like you've been transported to a magical paradise. And I'm just like, could I just like relocate here? Right? (laughs) We can still do this podcast. You know, it's only a three hour difference. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like, maybe I just won't come back on the plane. You know? I know. I mean, that's why so many people move there during COVID. It makes sense. Oh, my sense. God. Yeah. I feel like especially I was thinking about that for COVID because, I mean, obviously, we want to pretend like we're out of the pandemic, but it's still here. It's mm-hmm. still around a quarter. Uh, my aunt was just telling me that she got it after vacation. So oh. still a thing. But in Hawaii, so much is outside. Like, even the airport's yeah. outside. So I feel like you have that working in your favor there, for sure. Yeah. And it's just so beautiful that you want to be outside all the time. Oh, my God. Yeah. So peaceful. I did discover my love for snorkeling. Like, I've gone mm. before, but not, you know, I don't I don't think I did it. I did, like, maybe, like, a very, very beginner version. Not even with mm-hmm. the flippers. Just kind of, like, the headpiece go under for a few minutes. When I in was a bathtub. In, like, yeah. The Bahamas. But, <laughs> yes, bathtub, same difference. But I did. We went one. We went three times. And one time we actually saw a turtle, which was amazing. But, you know, that is, I think, the beauty of relationships is they do push you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And I do love that about the partnership I'm in is like, you know, live music. I feel like I've been going to a lot of live music and Mm -hmm. I really do enjoy it. And it's not something I seeked out before. And I think snorkeling, like if I had gone on this trip with like a girlfriend, which I have done this trip, maybe not Kauai, but I did Maui with my one of my best friends and we didn't leave the resort the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's like it does push you to try different things and I think that is really healthy in a relationship we also did a kayak and hike and then we swam under a waterfall and the hike was oh my gosh but like I think that stuff is really good like that like my partner pushes me to do more active stuff like that which is it's it's healthy oh yeah I mean that's just so wonderful to create new memories Mm -hmm. with each other I know people who are like I would never go back to this place because I went there with my ex and my response is always like you can create new memories you know you can yeah do new things try new things with this person and then you'll forget about the ex or the memories with the ex that's true i think the other thing i've done before that's empowering is i wanted to go somewhere with an ex and we had the plans to but it never happened mm. so you never had the memory but you kind of the place reminded you yes. of them yes. but it was actually really empowering going on my own because i'm kind of like fuck it i'm still doing it you know I'm it doesn't matter it. if i have a partner or not And that's super empowering. Yes. This applies to everyone. Even if you're not in a relationship, it just helps to know that you can create these memories yourself and you can push yourself to do these new things. You don't have to wait for a partner to do so because once you gain a partnership, you never know what else is out there. Like you never know what they're going to, you know, inspire you to do and what you inspire them to do. There's so much. Yeah. It kind of makes me think of our episode today too. Does it? (laughs) Well, like the starting over, you know, like starting fresh and like using this time that you're basically went from having the identity of being married and we're, you know, we're talking about dating a single parents today, specifically from the viewpoint of a single father. I think, you know, there are nuances between single mothers for sure. So want to keep that in mind. But um, I do think there's a lot of, you know, unraveling your past to create this new identity. And I'm sure there's been situations too that come up that remind you of your old life. Essentially, you have like a new life that you're creating. But Mm -hmm. this episode we wanted to do because we've heard a lot of people say and write in like, I'm afraid this is holding me back. Like it's making me undateable. And we wanted to prove that it is not doing that. Yeah, I think so many people, everything 
you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But <laughs> we tend to say stuff like it's the end of the world if this happens. And I think yeah. when it comes to marriage and divorce and divorce with kids and then starting over as a single parent, a lot of people think it's like, oh, my God, end of the world. How can how can I do that? I got to stay in this marriage just so I don't have to start over. I got to stay in something toxic just so I don't have to start over. And our guest today, as, as well as millions of other people will prove that it's never the end of the world. Nothing is the end of the world until it's the end of the world. There is always a place to start. And it's not starting over, it's starting from experience. Yes. And sometimes we really need that reset. So it's not even about like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to rewrite everything in my life now. It's it's not about that. And you never know what could happen in life. This is why we're always like, you know what? The the success metrics of a relationship is not the longevity or the that you got a, you got married, you got a certificate, you have a ring on your finger. That is not the metric for success. The metric for success is actually your relationship with yourself. Are you kind to yourself after mm-hmm. a relationship is over? Are you forgiving? Are you empathetic towards yourself? Are you prioritizing yourself? That's the metric for success. So one of our mutual friends ended a really long relationship, and I remember having a talk with him after Mm -hmm. this, and he mentioned this book, which is escaping me right this minute, but I do want to look it up and maybe see if they'd be a good guest. But basically this idea that in today's worlds, we're not meant to have one relationship. We're Mm -hmm. meant to have a series of different relationships, whatever length they may be, only becomes problematic because we've we've been taught that we're supposed to have one one relationship only and it's supposed to last forever but if we accept that like maybe it won't and that's okay it kind of reminds me too of the episode we did with dr gladys otto too Mm -hmm. (laughs) for anyone that's going through the trenches of a breakup a divorce yeah whatever like go back and listen to that episode like even pause this episode and go listen to that one because that one even for someone like myself that isn't currently going through that it was so helpful to reframe that you're just opening the new chapter how do you keep thinking about it that way and I like it for someone that feels anxiety around that type of stuff to like think about it now before it's even happening it sounds weird but it like does kind of make me feel better that like if something were to happen I can bounce back like you said Mm -hmm. the true measure is your own relationship Our society focuses so much on the beginning and the end markers that we don't focus on the transitional state. And the same goes for like getting the homeless off the street, getting professional athletes after they retire back into the workforce. We just don't focus on transitioning people back. And same with divorces. I've always I've joked about this with uh, my partner's cousin who was going through a divorce. I was like, what if what if there's a business? It's like a halfway house where people (laughs) Uh going through divorce. You have everything that you need, the legal yeah. support, the emotional support. You can even meet other singles who are in the same situation. And you stay in this house for a few months until you feel ready to get back on your feet. Because we are so focused on like, you know, get yourself out there. There's plenty of fish in the sea. You can do this. You don't need a you don't need to focus on this previous relationship. But the transition part of relationships is almost more important than the relationships themselves. 
Yeah. And I mean, you and I have not been married. We have not been divorced. So we don't fully know. You and I I are basically married, though. (laughs) Okay. Well, luckily, we have not been divorced from each other yet. (laughs) (laughs) But your partner went through this and you know other people, Mm -hmm. too, from the people I've talked to and members of our community. And I'm sure this isn't everyone. I don't want to generalize. Divorce like stings harder than the average breakup. Like it Mm -hmm. almost feels like a failure, like the way our society portrays it and I think some of it's just because there's so much I don't know it's almost like you're so in the spotlight with marriage that Mm -hmm. like you kind of feel like I I mean I don't want to put words in people's mouths for what what I've heard from people it's like I almost feel stupid that I did this that it's like this whole like you know dog and pony show yeah and it's over yeah I think a lot of people would say that I'm so dumb for even going through that if I knew this would be the outcome. I was also thinking after stalking someone a few years ago, seeing his wedding video, I wonder how many photographers and videographers have a graveyard of this footage of people who are no longer together, you know, like, yeah. uh, how do you remove it from the internet? Because it's kind of on there forever. But yeah, it's people have told me that it, it does sting harder because society pre- places so much pressure on you to make it work. And also you go through so much just to show the world that you're married. Yeah. It's like it's so shameful. Public. It's so public. Yeah, you could be in a relationship and nobody has to know. But if you're married, apparently you need to tell the whole world like the New York Times. I still don't understand the New York Times engagement. I don't either. I do not either. Like, why why do I need to know their pedigree like this person went to Harvard? I I feel like that's so old fashioned. I mean, I I definitely remember that from Sex of the City explicitly. Like, And then that gutting feeling like when Carrie saw Big and Natasha in there. Yes. Like for all your exes that are just seeing that. Oh, my God. What a oh my! Why? Sucker Who needs punch. to know? Who needs to know any of that? Why does any of that need to be public? I get that you want to celebrate, but the announcement to the world to strangers, I will never understand. But the point of this, this kind of conversation is to say that who cares? Who cares? What society yeah. thinks? Right? End of the day, it's you and your relationship with yourself. You got to protect yourself. And you know what? You're in the media blip so-called media blip for two days and then people forget about you. Right, right. I mean, I've even thought about that, like even just like posting Instagram stories, like, you Mm -hmm. know, just like things that are public. Like there is something that comes with it. But then at the same time, it's like, well, I can't, you can't be like fearful of that. Like that was, that is your life. That is your truth. And God forbid, like if something does happen, that's also your truth. And that's kind of, you just need to roll with it. Like what world are we in that you're just like holding onto it? So secretively that's not the answer either no don't let the fear drive you if we were all driven by fear we would do nothing we'd just be at a standstill twiddling our thumb not leaving our houses not engaging with people that is a fear-ridden lifestyle and there's there's no room in your life for that life is too short to be driven by fear came to that I mean, I feel like that's like the epitome of so many things that we talk about. That is the root of it, right? It's like the biggest danger is not doing anything at all. That's what's dangerous. Go do something, guys. Go do something. And you come out ahead, you know, if nothing else. Like we were saying, it's just a new chapter of your life. And even looking at like my past relationships, like they all grow on each other. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to see it in the moment, but like looking back in retrospect, I'm sure all of our listeners 
if we took a minute to audit our lives. Like we could see how like different relationships have set us up for the next one and how we've changed along the way. That's the most important thing. That's the only thing you can control at the end of the day. <laughs> it truly is. <laughs> it truly is. Especially when Mercury <sighs> is in retrograde. You're like, ah, I have no control of anything in my life except for myself and my thoughts. <laughs> well, you know what else you can control? 22 day <laughs> online dating reset challenge. Oh, you knew where I was going with it. You knew where I was going with it. You control the dating apps. Everyone always says the dating apps control me and I no. call bullshit on that. You control the dating apps and our 22 day dating app challenge. You've heard us talk about it now for the last month. We started this in the beginning of December, or beginning of October. October. And I'm like, what month are we in? Beginning of October. <laughs> and it will be the offer will end on October 31st. And cuffing season also starts around Halloween. So that means you got to get on it. This next week is is it your last chance make or break <laughs> make or break get you you people train for marathons you got to train for cuffing season you know we got like we got the resources to train you for cuffing season so you win there's no winning in dating but you win in my eyes yep don't you want to go home to thanksgiving tell someone about the new person in your life or maybe you get so confident from it that you're just like fuck it i don't need to impress anyone that's also a side effect of this <laughs> Anyways, if you want to sign up, get in there now. There are limited spots as well, and we are nearing the end. So findingyourperson.com slash apps. That is your ticket in, and you can also check that out in the show notes. Okay, well, before we get into it, let's hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the One Love Foundation. The numbers of people affected by relationship abuse are startling. Abusive relationships rarely start with physical abuse. Instead, there are often red flags like manipulation, isolation, belittling, and volatility. Do you know the signs? One Love Foundation, a national nonprofit dedicated to ending relationship abuse, empowers you to see the signs of an unhealthy relationship before things go too far. Visit joinonelove.org and learn to spot the signs of unhealthy and healthy relationship behaviors. Okay, let's hear it from Jason about dating as a single dad. I think we've all had that moment in dating where we raise our hands up and we say, I'm done. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> Dating's not for yes. me. Maybe I'm just not cut out for relationships. I'm just going to give up. And I think for everyone, you know, we all have different reasons for going through that. But whatever your reason may be, we really want to shed light on why you shouldn't give up and why there is light at the end of the tunnel. So that's sort of where we're going with this conversation today. But we're also bringing in this other layer of being a divorced single parent. We haven't done an episode like this for a long time, right, Julie? It's been a few seasons. It has. And like for context, we did get a question that was like, I feel like the odds are stacked against me because I am a divorced single parent. And like you was saying up top, it could be many reasons why you think the odds are stacked against you. But that's kind of where we're going to focus in on this convo today. And that's why we have Jason with us. Hi, Jason. Hey, everybody. 
So who's Jason? He's in his 30s. He lives in Orange County. He's divorced and currently in a monogamous relationship. And I feel like we should just get into your backstory. How long ago was the divorce and how long were you married for? Yeah, I want to say it's been like four years since the divorce. I was married previously about like eight years. Why did your marriage end? I think there's just like a lot of personality differences. I think over the years, you just realized that it's tough, you know, it's you got to choose your difficulty, I guess, married or not. And I think ultimately we grew apart and we just decided to split ways. How long did you date for before getting married? My background was a little more interesting, but I want to say probably dated for about two years and then we got married. Okay. And how did you two meet? We've been in college. Okay. So that says a lot, right? 10 years off the market, you met in college, so you weren't dating us fully formed adults yet. And then you get married and then you have two kids, right? Mm -hmm. From this marriage. We hear this a lot. You can like grow apart or there are personality differences, especially when you were married when you're younger. So let's talk about the divorce happens. And at what point did you decide maybe I'm ready to get back into dating? Yeah, great question. I think, you know, by the time we had decided to divorce, I think it was already abundantly clear that it wasn't working. So I think we tried therapy at the end and then probably we were already like for all purposes already like started to separate at the end. So by the time we formally divorced already, like, I think I was already ready to get back into the dating scene. Your first dating experience with your past wife was in college. So assume online dating wasn't a thing back then. No, it was not. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about your experience, like getting back into the dating scene when pretty much everything's changed. Definitely. A combination of excitement and fear, right? Mm -hmm. Fear being that, you know, the apps, I think by the time I had joined, it was like already like it's been a while. I think at the time there's already been Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, Coffee Meets Bagel. There's like a ton of them. So a lot of options. So, you know, as someone going back into the dating scene, being presented with all these options, you know, really had no idea like how to do any of this. So definitely disorienting. Thing in the very beginning of it, it's just like trying to figure out like how does this whole thing work, right? Like there's no tutorial, there's no guide. You just kind of <laughs> go on, and then as you start to explore the apps, you start to realize like, oh, you know, this is how you should just present yourself, build your profile, so to speak. Do you remember some of the initial hiccups you experienced in online dating? Yeah, I think it's all the photos. That's one of the key things <laughs> I started to learn, like how to take a good photo of yourself, right? That's <laughs> really it's harder than you think. Luckily, I had a lot of like female friends that were able to help me and also male friends that were that would just help me take a look at my photos and be like, hey, maybe don't use this one, use this one instead, try taking this photo. So I think getting that guidance from peers that are actively in the dating scene really helped a lot. Mm-hmm. And then if you guys use Hinge, right, there's like a lot of the prompts and everything that just required like exploring pretty much how to describe yourself best. And it's funny because the dating app and building that profile was a great way to actually just even to get to learn more about yourself. So yes, mm-hmm. kind of a cool effect. You know what's interesting is like in our Facebook group, we have a lot of divorced people in there. And, you know, it's almost like fish out of water, you know, getting into the dating scene. Even though there's probably a ton of a relationship experience, the whole dating scene has changed dramatically. What do you think is like the biggest surprise or thing that you learned when you were actually actively in there? 
it's different, right? Because prior to the dating apps, most of the dates that you went on, it's like, it's kind of very like quote unquote organic, right? You're meeting people in some mm-hmm. environment, you're either going out to like a party or to the gym or whatever the environment is. And you're meeting that person. You already have the, kind of that first touch point, right? Mm-hmm. You see the person, there's already like a little bit of a vibe going on because you've communicated with them and so forth. Dating apps, you don't have any of that kind of initial, you know, phase mm-hmm. or scoping, whatever you want to call it. Nope. And it's like disorienting. And if you don't know how to build a good profile, it's like makes it very difficult to like even go past beyond the first hey what's up and so forth so i think one of the things that you encounter a lot that's kind of like disheartening in the beginning is like when you first start signing up and you start yeah. meeting people matching people it's that initial like maybe one line or two line messages and after that it just completely drops off right mm. yep haven't we all been there i want to backtrack a little bit though because i want to get in the mind of jason as he's coming out of this divorce getting ready to date and weighing your options of where to go what was going on your mind of deciding online dating versus meeting people in real life? Yeah, actually, I think fortunately enough, that was like around 2018, I was still able to kind of go out. So I was definitely going out, meeting people. So there was a combination of that. So the dating apps really was kind of like a supplementary tool to meet people. Because Uh as you can imagine at that time, it was harder to meet people, especially given the circumstances, like there's not a lot of opportunity to meet people besides like outside of work, or maybe at some kind of like activity that you like to do. Right. And I know you mentioned that you were excited to meet new people. You were kind of ready to date. What's going on in your mind during all this? You know, you signed up for these apps. Like, was it all positive? Was it mixed emotions? Were you just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what was going on <laughs> in your mind at the time? Yeah, it definitely was an excitement, but definitely what the fuck am I doing, right? I think that's just <laughs> me, like just getting out of a marriage, just trying to figure everything out. Of course, I think everyone in that period of time, especially myself, like I just wanted to like move on with my life and want to grow into this person. It's also like a path of self-discovery. But using those dating apps, oh man, it's like you have this one vector where I'm like you're like going out, meeting people, and you're meeting people on dating apps. It's very foreign territory. Like it's new, it's hard. No one's there to guide you through this process, you know, at best, mm-hmm. right? And it's like it was challenging in the beginning. Right. And the way you're speaking about this does remind me like of the first time I was doing online dating. I poured my heart and soul into my profiles. And what you're getting back are these one-liners or ghosting mm-hmm. or people who seem like they didn't give a shit about you. You use the word disheartening. Like That's exactly how I felt. So what kept you going despite these experiences? Yeah, I think after a while, you just kind of just start building like this resiliency to it. Maybe another way to call it is like you're kind of normalizing this kind of behavior. I think at the time when I was going through it, like definitely had a few like situations where it's the first couple ghosts. You're like, okay, this is just how it is. Maybe in the beginning, you're like, hey, there's something wrong with my profile. Am I not presenting myself? Am I missing some sort of like etiquette process here in uh-huh. the online dating of this? I'm not following, right? Eventually, you just come to just understand that that's just kind of like how the apps were. And I think after having gone through a couple matches and even some first dates, you realize like, hey, you know, this is just the way it works. And it's totally fine. And I think after a while, I just started building this an acceptance mm-hmm. to this new dating environment. Back to kind of the top line question that came in was this feeling of being at a disadvantage because dating, having kids, did that ever go through your mind? Or were you kind of like, this is how it is for everyone? Oh, yeah, definitely. In the very beginning, I was like, really concerned about that, right? Being divorced, having kids, I realized like, okay, this is going to be a lot harder than it was than when I was back in college. So I think I explored a lot of options. Sometimes I went on dates and then presented those extra details during the first date to kind of talk about Mm -hmm. it. And 
then other times I would just talk about it through the messages. Definitely mm. got mixed reactions on both ends, but overall, like, it's just a part of life. And I think eventually, as you go through enough of these online dating experiences, turns out, like, there's a lot of other people just like you, mm -hmm. divorced, right. have kids, don't have kids. And it's actually not as difficult if you think about it. Did you have it in your profile? I played around with it in the beginning, but eventually I think before I got into my last relationship, I had just kept it on. What I ultimately discovered for myself is like, hey, you know, just put everything out there. Like I'd rather save myself yeah. time and hassle and just put everything out there. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it's, it's a match, then so be it. It's a remarkable shift from my first perspective when I first went on, because I think when you first joined the dating apps, like it's almost like you're thinking about like, hey, I want the most possible mm -hmm. potential out there. So yes. I should probably make my profile as uh, nice as I can because I want to find my match. Right. And I can if I do that by expanding my net, perhaps they're going to be better odds. Turns out, I think just by narrowing in the net, it's like you yeah. have a better odd of finding someone that's a good fit for you. Totally. That's such a good insight. You know, it's funny because I am remembering this time where I went on a date with a guy and we actually matched on Hinge and Bumble. And on Bumble, he said that he had kids and was divorced. Oh, and on yeah. Hinge, there was no reference of this. And I started talking to him on Hinge. And, you know, I think there might have been a subconscious bias on Bumble, or I just didn't see him on Bumble. I don't really know the full backstory of it. But we actually went on the date and he never brought up kids in a family ever. What? Yeah. And I only knew because of Bumble, but we weren't having a convo there. And, you know, we didn't end up dating for many reasons outside of being divorced and kids. It really didn't come down to it. But I did find it odd that it never came into convo. Like, was that something that you would talk about on dates? Or was did you have situations like that, too, that you didn't bring it up? Oh, yeah. In the very beginning, I definitely felt like the whole conversations. It's like this kind of like art of like trying to like get into the vibe and the chemistry of the dialogue to bring it up as like organically as possible. Right. So going back when you're first coming out of divorce, I think it's fair to say everyone that goes through a divorce, like your self-confidence is beaten a little bit. And then I think a lot of times you kind of just treat that status change, if you will, as kind of like something that's kind of like holding you back, holding you down, or just a way to label yourself. You know, I definitely remember our first couple of dates, I would wait for the opportunity to bring it up if I felt like it was a good time to bring it up. But definitely it wasn't like something I wanted to immediately like go straight into, right? I think eventually after having done a couple of times, you start to realize it's just like, that's not really just your core identity, right? You're not a divorced person. I am still Jason. I still have my personality, yeah. who I am, my interests are. It just so happens that this is just the life path I took. But it definitely took a couple of tries to finally have that self-discovery. Do you remember like a defining moment for this to happen? Because I just think about daters. There's already this feeling of like, am I deserving of love? Is dating the best route for me? Am I doing the right things? And then you add the layers of a divorce and then having kids. I'm sure it can do all kinds of shit to your ego. So did you have a moment during this process of self-discovery where you're like, actually, no, all of that's just a limiting belief? Yeah, I mean, I think when it started really change for me, it's like once you start meeting people, like there's a lot of different criteria for people to like want to get along with. Like, that's the whole chemistry angle. It's not just about whether or not you have the same life experiences or you have the same hobbies. Like there's like this, it's not a real science. It's actually more of an art. And I think after a while you realize like, hey, just be yourself, right? I know it sounds a lot simpler and I think it takes experience to understand that. But like these are just facets of your life. And I think if you can bring it up succinctly to the person you're matching with, the end goal really is just like trying to find that person that could become your partner. And I think in order to do that, there has to be kind of this like sincere look at yourself and presenting to the other party who you are and just accepting the fact that, hey, this could be a match. And if not, that's okay too. 
Did you find yourself like seeking out other people with kids or were you kind of open to whatever? You know, that's a great question. I think initially started, I was like really open to anything just to see like what's out there. But eventually later on in my dating career, I think I was more interested in finding someone else that was also divorced and have kids. Mm. And I think, you know, let's say that match goes somewhere and turns into a relationship, right? There is a kind of an ease of mind to know that there's somebody out there that kind of understands your experience, right? Because it's not just at this point, you're dating other people with kids. They understand there's like a whole scheduling thing that we had to worry about. Your ex partners <laughs> making sure everything works out. Yeah. So I think definitely I had a leaning towards at the end, but going back to the whole labeling thing, right? You go from this thing about talking about yourself to like, hey, I'm divorced. I have kids. Like making that like the key right. artifact of your profile. Right? I don't think that's a great approach from personal experience. And so huh. what you end up learning to do is how do you present yourself like as a person with these attributes attached to you? Right. I mean, I totally hear what you're saying, but I think from the other perspective too, like I remember going on a date and the person dropping on the date while I'm already there that I'm his first date in 12 years because he's just exiting a divorce, basically. I think some of it has to do with time because I think from that perspective it can feel a little scary to the person on the receiving end like is this person ready is their divorce finalized are they going to go back to their ex how do you think like this changed for you from kind of when you first got out there after divorce to maybe you know some months had gone by most of the new dating etiquettes I learned, I think I learned from my peers, but you've learned eventually like the ghosting thing doesn't feel very good. So you try your best not to do that. Of course, not necessarily an etiquette, but I think a best practice, right? It's like how to build a better profile. Right. Going back to the whole labeling thing, right? You go from this thing about talking about yourself to like, hey, I'm divorced. I have kids. Like making that like the key artifact of your profile. Right? I don't think that's a great approach. Right. In all forms of dating, right? You want to get to know the person. So I think eventually what I ended up doing is just coming in by able to get to that first date face or even on the online chat just to get to know the other person. You know, whatever background or baggage as people like to call it, you have not a big deal. It's really about understanding you as a person, your personality, what your interests are, and you know, whether there's alignment there. And if there is, then we can keep going and talking about the other logistics, if you will. Logistics. Love that. And did you have a rule of when you introduce the kids? Oh, yeah. The kids, they would know about the kids early on, but there's only one person. And that's the person mm. I've been with that's met the kids. So oh. my ex-partner and I, we had a rule pretty much. If we were to date, like for them to meet the kids, like this relationship would have to actually go somewhere to a certain point where it's like, hey, this isn't just like a fling. There's like something here. So if that were the case, then hey, then we would be open to that. And what's kind of that threshold? Like when you define the relationship, have the DTR talk or was there a different threshold. It really comes down to that, right? It's like, hey, we've been in a relationship for a little bit of time. We think there's some potential, right? There doesn't need to be like this overt commitment for some kind of long-term thing, but I think there needs to be a discussion, right? Because my partner also has a child and divorced. So this is mm -hmm. like really important, right? I think as you start dating other people, especially other people that are divorced and have kids, like it's really important for us to protect the kids from these kind mm -hmm. of situations. So I think both I and her agreed like, hey, you know, we see there's a potential. Let's see if we're okay to like bring the kids into this environment and see how that goes. Having kids and being divorced, like I think this is a critical kind of component to learn about the other party to really see the viability of like if this relationship can go somewhere. And so eventually you have to take that risk and be like, hey, let's meet each other's kids and let's see if there's anything here. Did you ever have a situation with someone that they just, when they found out you were divorced and had kids, they just didn't want anything to do with the situation? Or did you kind of filter for that so that wouldn't happen? 
yeah, I definitely had experiences where it's like, hey, thanks for telling me, like, you know, not really my thing, great person and so forth. And I've had some of people like, hey, you just wasted my time. I'm like, okay, well, sorry. Mm. Oh, really? Shit. At what point would they say that? This is the first date. So just having that happen, I was like, okay, no problem. Like, have a good night. <laughs> What I've learned and bringing up the kids earlier on helps a lot, but just from all the matches that I've had, I think there's just general fear. Like, for example, some of these matches I had, had they're not divorced. They don't have kids. So for them to come into this, like, oh man, you already have kids. Like, oh, do I need to be like a pseudo mom to your kids? And like, hey, hey, let's not jump there. Let's actually see if we like each other first and, and go from there, right? So I think a lot of the fear, and rightfully so, stems from this kind of unknown territory for like singles to be with someone that's divorced and have kids. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I've definitely been in situations where I'm like, I'm not ready to be a stepmom. But then right. uh, like the first date. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> they're right. like, I'm not ready for you to be the stepmom either. Right. You know, exactly. like, let's not go response. that far. Yeah. A lot of projection happens. That's why it's like, I've learned, like, it's really key to just kind of like, whenever you can just organically bring it up, like, it's just a date. Like, nobody's like asking you to be the stepmom. No one's proposing to you. Like, it's just here. <laughs> let's get to know each other. Like, we don't even know if we like each other. Like, let's just start with that. Okay, so going back to this question of someone who wrote in, what is some advice you would give to them for divulging this information? Because it sounds like the kids thing should be divulged a little bit earlier. Probably not a popular opinion, but like I totally get when people don't want to divulge, right? It takes kind of like this leap of faith and like kind of like self-confidence that needs to be built up. So for someone that's having gone through that experience of a divorce and all that, I can see why they're scared, right? So my advice is like, hey, that's not who you are. That is just a fact about yourself. So just focus on everything else about yourself, bring it up, and then just trust in the process that you'll find someone that's a match for you, given these certain attributes tied to you. So I think before my current partner, I actually went on a date with another person. No kids, never been divorced. Great experience. There's nothing wrong with that. So generally, I think just be open about it, right? I think in the same way when people talk about marriage and divorce being, you know, choosing your difficulty, I think the same goes with dating, right? Like you can date mm -hmm. someone that's single, that doesn't have kids. They're there's a difficulty inherent with that, right? You got to mm -hmm. explain to the person, educate them on the experience, right? Alluding back to the whole, oh my God, I'm not ready to be a stepmom situation, right? It's like, you have to be like, <laughs> help educate them. Like, hey, don't worry. Like, that's not what this is. Like, let's just stay and focus on that. In the same way with dating with someone with kids, like we still have to work out scheduling and everything, but life's kind of like hard to predict. So you never know who that other potential partner is. So I personally feel like you should just open up, cast that net wide and just find and see what works. When we're talking about what that experience is like dating someone with kids, can you give us a glimpse into what that is like? I understand the scheduling and all of that. What are the other components involved? Oh, God. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> there's a lot. I think the first almost borderline terrifying experience is meeting your other partner's kids, right? Terrifying in the sense that you're just nervous, you don't know what to expect. And like, for me, that was like my first time meeting someone else's kid in this kind of context. Mm. It's almost like kind of like a first impression, kind of like nervousness, like, like oh my God, are they going to like me? Is it going to be great? Like, <laughs> you have all that. And then of course, the other part's like, hey, are they, my kids going to like them? How is that going to work out? Like a lot of this kind of like very newfound experience slash nervousness around that. Additionally, meeting the ex-partner, right? That's another big one. Mm. That's always a very... Right, because <laughs> they're still in the life somehow. It's funny, but like when you're dating the divorced person in general, like you still need to interact with the ex-part in some capacity, especially if they have kids. Like if they don't have kids, maybe it's a little bit better. But generally speaking, if they have kids, like that person's going to be there. Fortunately, my experience has been just fine. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. And how did you set your partner up to your kids? Who did you tell your kids they were meeting? Oh, <laughs> you got to go with the classic auntie slash uncle of like this is on oh. so and so yeah oh my right? god <laughs> 
That's a great question. Like, I think in the beginning, right, like you need to like kind of prime like the environment. So I think the first couple of times we would just like take the kids out to a park and be like, hey, and we, if possible, I would bring in like mutual friends that we have and like kind of like make the group a lot larger. So nothing in particular mm. stands out. So it wouldn't be like, this is my girlfriend from day one. Yes, yes. I don't think I explicitly ever said girlfriend to the kids until much later on. It just ended up becoming like this large group outing with kids. And then eventually it was just, oh, it's me and auntie and auntie's kids. And then eventually they started <laughs> oh. figuring like, hey, something's uh, going on here. Going on with dad. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy's dating auntie. <laughs> that's actually that's actually what they said. <laughs> we had someone in our community share a really cute story that she like had her now partner over. Kind of similar to you, like didn't explain that it was her boyfriend. And then her kid like basically pulled him aside and was like, Are you dating anyone? Like you'd be perfect for my mom. And then he basically was like, Well, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, think about kind it. Kind of already is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How cute is that? I think, you know, one other thing we hear a lot from people in our community is that sometimes, you know, dating takes a lot of time. It's a lot of work. Sometimes people will describe it as a second job. And maybe more when you're not in an actual relationship. It's a different type of time commitment, but it's different. A lot of bullshit maybe in the dating of wasted time. How did you kind of balance that? Because what we've heard from people is like, I don't have time for these people that just like flake or ghost. I have a kid to like basically take care of. Like this is my life. Yeah, I think that just takes, again, like trial and error. I think the first couple of times everyone goes through it. You talk online, talking for a while, try to set up the first date ghost and then if you're able to make it and go to a date like guess what happens you go on a first date this doesn't work out you know hopefully it's not a ghost but you know if that doesn't happen people just don't continue meeting up just like everything else in life it's an investment so i think it's going to be really hard you're just going to have to like make it work we've heard from single moms that dating as a single mom you feel like you have no time to waste so you don't put up with the bullshit that a lot of non-single moms would put up with is that also the case for you as a single dad this is maybe a more personal experience i think as a single dad i think i already came into this whole online dating world with this perception that as guys on the app like we just have to invest more time and just be expected mm-hmm. to be much more difficult right like i think what's the general perception right women on the dating apps get more swipes than guys do so i think we already come in with this kind of mindset like hey there's a lot more effort involved to do this i think what i like about your app attitude, which I'm sensing is you're kind of like, look, this is what it is. I'm just going to roll with it. I'm just going to find something that works. And I'm not going to like take it too personally, overthink it, get too down on it. And I think that's a really important attitude, whether you're divorced with kids or you have zero kids. Like I think everyone has something that's going on for them that makes it seem like, oh, dating is the worst for me. I'm at this disadvantage. And the more that we can kind of adapt a mindset like yours, Jason, I think that will help a lot of people. So I just wanted to point that out. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it definitely took a lot of time to get to this point. I will say like, (laughs) thanks to online dating, I actually got to know myself a lot better. And then eventually just realized like, you're trying to find a life partner at the end of the day, right? Or someone to like spend time with or so forth, whatever your angle is. And I think in that process, you just have to accept that this is just a natural part of life. And you're trying to avoid, you know, being matched with someone 
that it doesn't work out. Uh-huh. So I think it, yeah. it's okay mm. to be patient. It's okay to take some time and put a little bit of effort to see what match. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. That's a really good perspective. And I feel like maybe that is why you're kind of like letting this stuff slide a little more. Not slide and like not holding people accountable, but it's kind of like, look, I want to make the right decision, a good decision here. And we can blame online dating and dating apps for all this stuff. But then we talk to people that kind of abandon ship on them and they go on like one date a year. And it's like, well, how do you learn what's a good fit for you? Like that is the benefit of dating apps. You know, as someone that also met their partner on dating apps, very pro dating apps. But it's especially I could see as someone that's divorced, has kids, a lot on their plate. Like you can't be in social settings 24-7 where someone may or may not be like an eligible prospect. Yeah, I think, you know, that experience with online dating actually really just helped hone in on what you yourself is looking for and what you can need in your life, right? So again, like learning any time investment you put in, like that's what you're going to get out. So you're going to get that same effort reflected back. And you did put in the effort, Jason, because you are in a (laughs) monogamous relationship now. How did this happen? Did you meet on the apps? Yeah, we met on the apps. This is post-COVID too, right? So, oh man, only <laughs> a lot of time to work on some prompts and try to find my best photo. <laughs> you know, getting that the tribal help, right? As they say, probably one of my best experiences. I was using Hinge, by the way, if that helps. But yeah, we went on a video call, did a couple of video calls online. And then eventually as things were okay to go out and meet, like met in person, it was just like, a, just hit it off. Before we hit record, you said, I found love when I was about to give up on love. So let's dive into that. What does that mean? That's exactly around that whole pandemic happened, right? I think that's like, and everyone's like on the apps, making sourdough bread, becoming, you know, growing <laughs> plants. I was the person that grew a lot of plants at the time. Eventually, you get winded by it. And uh, I think my approach has changed. I'm like, hey, we have one last shot. And after that, I'm just going to focus on myself. And so I think at the time, I was just like, hey, put best effort in, give it some time limit, see how it goes. And I just went at it carefree, open-minded, and just let it be. And then it turns out like, this person matched me. I didn't have any specific filters. I just put all my information out there just to see who was around. And turns out also divorce. You said you put a time limit on this and you said, I'm going to give this one last go. What was the time limit? <laughs> I think I was going to be like, maybe like a couple months. I just gave myself like okay. a month or two. And then it just kind of just happened. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the I love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M. MP.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code DATABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. 
This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, <laughs> wow. what? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? <laughs> and maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I plotted your go with the flow mentality earlier, but understanding that we all hit our breaking points because I've been there as well. Like, when do you think you were like, okay, this is fun. This is interesting. This is novel. I'm still enjoying the process to hitting that breaking point that you're like, okay, it's a couple months and then I'm done. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's like, we understand the idea of like work-life balance. Well, there's actually a work-life dating balance, right? And I think you'll start (laughs) to feel it, right? There's like this burnout period of time. I was definitely one of those people. You sign up for the apps, do a couple swipes, try to match, and eventually it doesn't work out. You're like, you're defeated. Delete the apps. And then you're just cold turkey for a mm-hmm. while and the next thing you know it's like hey it's summer or whatever i need to get back on it and let's try this again so i think at that time i would i just so happened was like on the ready to like get ready to uh, delete the ass at the moment and then just showed up <laughs> when i was ready to just be like hey this is it if not i'm gonna go grow some more houseplants <laughs> <laughs> what made this conversation different than the others. Yeah, I think I just treated it very like casually. Like I I know it's not like a great way to explain it, but I think out of all my dates, like this one was like the most relaxed and casual. She at the time had just uh, celebrated like her child's birthday. So we were just kind of talking about parenting, you know, how it's been, you know, how life is like being like divorced and having kids. And going back to the whole houseplant thing, I was like, hey, you know, you want to join me to go to the nursery sometime? Just I need to pick up some plants. I have literally just like, hey, let's just, I need to pick up some plants. Like, it'd be great to just meet up and let's just hang out. Let's take it easy. Let's just help me pick out some plants. You know, you can get a plant too if you want. 
<laughs> a lot of good conversation came out of it. And I think that's like the way, right? You want to like figure out if there's a vibe or yeah. not. I think being able to drop your cards a little bit and not worry about like this dating pressure and just getting to meet the person. Like, I think it really, I probably have to say that helped a lot in my like interactions with this person. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because like I had something very mm -hmm. similar happen to me also that I in the same boat of like, I'm just going to go and enjoy getting to know this person. That's all I'm going to think about. And I think so many times we put like this pressure on ourselves to like sell ourselves or to cover up some of these things. Like you were saying earlier, I felt like, you know, people were like looking at me like this divorced person with a child, but that's not me. That's not me getting to know them. It's one attribute of me, but I can see at the beginning of a journey being like, okay, this is the thing I need to like kind of work around. And I definitely, like, this is totally a different example, but I kind of feel like I had that with this podcast. Like I felt like I was like scaring away people that there was like a dating podcast. It was kind of like that thing that I was hiding a little too on the dates. Not that it's mm. the same at all, but it is my baby, I guess. So similar parallel, little but exactly the same <laughs> exactly the same situation <laughs> but I think there is something to be said about like look we all have something going on like that maybe makes us less desirable in the eyes of the wrong person to the right person they're gonna see what we have as a gift like my partner loved that I did this podcast your partner probably loved that you had a kid it was in the same life stage understood where she was coming from like all of that was a plus so I think it's such a reminder that we need to just like don't feel like we need to hide ourselves and just show up and meet this person and there's such a better chance for connection when you do that versus this game of like how do I show that I'm like this person that someone should be worthy enough to date I think more often than not, when we start doing these datings and we're meeting people, we inadvertently are filtering ourselves out from an opportunity mm. because we think, hey, maybe someone out there doesn't like the fact that I grow houseplants and that's not their thing. Like, I don't want to talk about that, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever attribute. I think instead we should like kind of just flip that idea on the head and realize like, hey, like these are the fun facts about me and, you know, I'm going to attract the right individuals that like that and they're going to come towards me and then there's going to be an opportunity. Definitely much harder to do in the beginning. I think after time, you just start realizing, just be yourself and realize that, hey, these aspects about you will bring the right person in. That's such a good reminder for all of our listeners, too, because we often talk about these first initial dates and not making them so different from your daily life. You know, you went yeah. to the nursery because that's what you do. And what we're doing in dating, aren't we just trying to get into a relationship where we're going to eventually end up going to the nursery, picking up houseplants right. together anyway? Right. So why even front in the beginning and be like, oh, elaborate dinner, elaborate show, elaborate this, when you're trying to find someone to do life with and do these everyday activities. Now, not saying not putting effort into those first couple dates, but I do appreciate the sentiment of just keeping it casual and authentic to who you are. Yeah, I think that's a great like point right there. I think definitely my, my first couple dates when I went on, I think everyone's gone through, right? Like you meet up for drinks, having a conversation, trying to like pull conversations out of thin air over like, you know, right. cocktails, booze, whatever, like that's hard, right? So I think eventually <laughs> you just realize like at some point I got to talk about the fact that I need to go pick up some plant food at nursery. So might as well just do it now, get out of the way and then see where it goes. <laughs> right. And the bigger things too. It's not like you could hide the fact that you have children, nor should you ever hide that, right? That is a huge part of your life. And I really like when we did get that email in, I think that was like such ammunition to do this episode because we're like, we never 
want someone to feel like they have strikes against them because they have children and got divorced. Like, I think we view divorce as like a failure, but it's not. How is it any different than like ending any relationship? And I still think being in any sort of relationship is just growth. And that's a success, whatever the outcome is. So it really did like hurt us a little that like someone felt that way. The way I think over time, like I just realized, hey, actually, if you think about it, I was able to successfully exit a marriage yes. and I'm now I have a better experience in how to deal with long-term relationships and I've learned a lot from that and how to like proceed for my next relationship so it's actually kind of not a scarlet letter but like a, a different facet that you get to have mm-hmm. yeah it's not even just exit like you were able to enter in the first place like so many people can't even enter yeah. because of so many reasons I mean I know UA loves divorced men so you can probably it's my thing my fetish sp- speak to bring them on <laughs> Jason knows oh yes <laughs> I'm just like going to the divorce men's meetup groups, you know, <laughs> who can I pick up tonight? But you said so many times that like, there's just like more experience, more enlightenment, mm-hmm. more self work that's happened from it. And I think any experience, and this kind of goes back to like, whatever your thing is that you think is holding you back, like, how do you start to shift and see it for a gift, not as a hindrance? I think, honestly, it takes time, right? And you hear this a lot, but it it takes a lot of healing, too. I think after a while, like, you just have to learn to understand who you are, especially from a divorce angle, right? I think the first step is forgive yourself for failing a marriage. I think that's a big one. And then just Mm -hmm. learning from that and healing from a lot of the hurt of that experience. And then really see it as an opportunity to get to spend time with yourself, right? Going back to like building my profile, like, that was a great way for me to, like, really, like, understand, like, hey, who am I, like? fun fact prompts on like hinge is mm-hmm. like what is a fun fact about me it's like oh crap like <laughs> before meeting my current partner like it helped me build a relationship with myself first ironically that's such a good perspective looking at dating as a way to heal and as a way yes. to explore who you are versus seeing it as a chore sure. or as a burden <laughs> or as a way of knocking you down for the person who wrote in this question maybe that's a really great perspective to adopt is how can i see this as more of a healing experience. They always say that we're healing from previous relationships in our current relationships, right? So your current relationship with yourself and dating is the time to heal from that previous relationship. How long have you two been together now? We should be approaching our two-year mark soon. Okay. So you had two years of being single, single before getting into this relationship. What do you think had to happen for you in those two years for you to be ready and open to receive this current relationship? Everything the online dating apps had to offer. The, you know, (laughs) the matching, the non-matching, the ghosting, the, you know, (laughs) the dates that go well, the dates that don't go well. All of those experiences, you know, both positive and negative, like really kind of just set me up for success for this relationship. So I think you just have to kind of go through those trials and tribulations, if you will, of what that mm-hmm. experience is. This approach didn't just come out of, I didn't just come out of my divorce, like, <laughs> oh God, like, hey, like, let me just keep it casual. Like it's, it took a while to get to this point. Like the very first couple, right. like years of that, those dating years, I was like, oh man, like what's wrong with me? Like no one wants to date like a divorcee with two kids. Like what, like, what do I do now? You know, it's like, mm. should I just be a monk or what, what's going on here? Right. <laughs> So for anyone that's you four years ago, back of the dating pool after divorce, whether they have children or not, what's some advice you'd have for them? 
go on the dates, take it easy and be relaxed. And if you can't find a date for like, let's say you have a free weekend, Friday night, you don't have the kids, or if you don't have kids, you're just by yourself, take yourself on a date, right? It's kind yeah, of funny. Master but date. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like I think that period of time, I got pretty good at just going out to the bar by myself and not even having to go and chat people up. Like, so one of my things I would like to do is like either go to a restaurant. That's like really hard, by the way. Going to like a nice restaurant, yeah. eating by yourself, having the meal, trying not to be on the phone and just enjoy that experience. Mm, and then, of course, yes. going to the bar, talking to other people doesn't have to be what you're looking for. Just set up with like people next to you and just have a conversation. I think once you feel comfortable in your own skin, I think that's going to really help you like get into the next phase. And then for anyone who's at a low point, let's say they hit rock bottom in dating, so ready to throw in the towel, what would you say to them? Take some time off, relax, go take a vacation, enjoy yourself, right? I think, give it a second, don't beat yourself up too much for it, right? I think once you've taken that time to refresh, come back into it. No different when you're going to work and you're burned out at work and you need to take a vacation, it's the same exact thing, right? You need to, this way we look at work-life balance, you have dating versus single life balance, right? You just gotta refresh yourself, Come back with a freshest perspective. And if not, take a break and come back when you're ready. Well, thank you so much, Jason. This has been so eye-opening. I mean, I think I have a few main takeaways. I think the first is, how do you start to enjoy the experience as much as possible? So much of what you said today, and this doesn't mean that you're not going to have any of those low moments. You said that you had a few of them. It's not saying that you're not human, but how can you start to look at dating as you know, getting to know yourself better, all of it building on one another to finally get you to the place that you want to go? It's such a better outlook and just the reframe of what dating means, what being divorced means. You said about like, this is not who I am. This is one piece of my story. That's so important to remember, regardless of what your thing is that you think is holding you back. It is not the whole story of who you are as a person. So I love just like a lot of the reframing that you were able to do. And the other thing that stood out to me was choose your heart. Like we hear that so often is mm -hmm. there's always going to be something that's difficult. It's up to you to decide what's the part that's worth it to you. Look, dating is hard. Relationships are hard too. They're just a different type of hard. And I love the part when you were talking about like, look, you can date someone that's in the same stage of life as you that you might have more logistics that are hard, or you can date someone that has no idea where you've been, which is also going to be hard. So there's no right answer. I think everyone has to do what's right for them. But just know that whatever you do, there's not going to be one easy way. And so often we don't want to do anything because it feels too hard. But even doing nothing is actually choosing your hard because then you're just complaining about nothing happening. So I love that <laughs> takeaway as well. <laughs> and when you're choosing your hard, you narrow the dating pool. I love what you said up top. You know, you were creating a profile to catch as many people as possible into your net and you you realize the goal is actually to narrow the pool of people mm -hmm. who are suitable for you. And sometimes we do hear this from our daters. It's like, how do I create a profile that can appeal to most number of people and get the most matches? Well, you're not trying to find and date and be in relationships with a thousand people. You're just trying to find one or maybe sometimes five. <laughs> but there's no point in holding back the parts of yourself that are important just to appeal to the 
masses only to quote unquote disappoint them later, right? So narrow the pool. It's not a numbers game. I like the second takeaway of putting you at the forefront of dating and that experience. Full dating journey of thinking about what am I learning about myself? It's funny that you said the intake or at least the prompts on dating apps was therapeutic because if you think about it, they are kind of like therapy intake forms. Mm-hmm. It's very similar. It forces you to think about yourself. So what a great way to think about online dating. Hey, this is just like therapy for me. My very last takeaway is something that you said recently, Jason, I don't know, towards the end, you're like, well, I sound very chill and casual right now, but I wasn't always like this. And this whole time, this whole conversation, I was like, God, he sounds so chill. Like, was he always like this? Was he born like this? But you're talking as the current you and not you four Mm -hmm. years ago. So if we can all, when we're stuck in a rut in dating, if we can say, when I get out of this rut two years from now, three years from now, how would I be? And what would I say to myself right now? Because the chill Jason can look back to the not so chill Jason two, three, four years ago and say, listen, buddy, just chill. Your person's out there. We can be casual about this. It's not that serious. Enjoy your life. Yeah. Don't rush it. Find yourself. Make this a therapeutic experience. Go find yourself. Go take yourself out to a nice dinner, Jason. (laughs) It's so much harder when you're in it, though. So much harder when you're in it. So definitely not minimizing because I think I feel that way, too. But it is a really good reminder because there is, you know, something called the present bias where we only see what's current day. In the future, you, it almost feels like a different person. So it's really hard to imagine what that life is going to be like for you. But I love that idea of doing this exercise of like, what do I want my future self to tell me once I've got everything figured out? Wonderful. Jason, any other last words of advice for our listeners? Yeah. When you're going on dates, like sometimes we have, we're just like always focused on finding that person. Also realize that other person in, you could potentially find a friend and that's okay too. Yeah, that's a really good point. I love that. Thank you for this conversation. And thank you for the person who wrote in with this question. I know we were overdue for having a conversation about divorce and single parenting and dating as such. So thank you everyone for contributing to this episode. We're going to wrap this up. But before we do that, we always like to share the love and the way you can share your love with us is by giving us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts, five stars, (laughs) leave us a little love note. We really appreciate appreciate that. Because of those reviews, we can act on your requests for content like this interview with Jason, right? The more reviews we get, the more we can act on the requests that you all put in. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, wrapping this up. Stay Dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag Stay Dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable.